The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. This is Robin Nelson with another edition of Russell Podcast. And my special guest on the show tonight and welcoming back is the warlord of weird, Sin Bodhi, formerly known as Kazarni. How's it going? Good, man. Thank you for having me. Oh, anytime. It's my pleasure. Um, I finally got to meet you uh, here in Cincinnati over at Future Great Wrestling. Um, tell me about your experience over at Future Great Re- Wrestling. That was pretty good because you had a good match with uh, Mitch Magnus. That was a good match over there that night. Yeah, he was a, a fun bad guy to uh, dance with and, and pick on. I love picking on bullies, and he's such a such a fun bad guy to, to pick on. You know, <laughs> he sure is. And speaking, um, since you're my job easy when, when bad guys are bad, good guys are just that much extra good. You know. Oh, I totally agree with you. And speaking of Cody, what were your thoughts about him getting that trainer? Pro Wrestling Award over to Cauliflower Alley Club. Tremendous. Uh, he's been doing this for a long time. Um, he's just as excited and loves the business now as he did when he first started. Uh, you can see it in everything he does, everything he says. Um, you know, like, it, it's funny. I, I can tell wrestling students, you know, like over at our school in, in Vegas at the Snake Pit, the FSW Snake Pit, like, between me and Jake the Snake and D'Lo Brown and Kenny King and Disco Inferno and all of our awesome guest trainers. Look, between us all, we can teach every trick in the book. What we cannot teach you is heart. That you have to bring to the table. And Cody is one of those trainers, just like us, that is all heart. You can see that a mile away. A blind man can see that Cody Hawk has heart. And he's just a good dude. And, uh, you know, his talent speaks for himself. He's trained some talented wrestlers like uh, Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, and just so many guys. And it's very well deserving of an award for him. And speaking of Cauliflower Alley Club in Vegas as well, um, you were in a match with Eugene, and he rode you like a motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, if I had a nickel for every time that happened, I'd have like at least, I don't know, at least one or two or three nickels. (laughs) What was that like, him uh, treating you like a motorcycle and making all those motorcycle sounds? on my arms as he was as painful as that was I was trying so hard not to laugh because you know I don't want to you know burst the burst the bubble of sports entertainment but as painful as it was it was equally as funny to me and I was just trying to kind of keep a straight face not unlike uh, Kim Conway and Harvey Corman. and I know that's a superly old 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 reference but it's the most accurate reference I can think of hey why not um, I was on online and I went over to YouTube and I was watching some of your matches and um, one of my favorite matches you just did. I apologize. Go ahead. I apologize for that. 
<laughs> it's all good. Um, I watched one of your matches. You were at um, Ohio Valley Wrestling. You were in an empty arena match where you defeated uh, Shiloh Jones for the Anarchy title, and that match was pretty intense. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. He's all, he was also another really fun villain. Uh, made my night easy because, when again, like it takes two to tango. Wrestling is like yin and yang. It's the story of good and evil. If you got a really talented evil person, then the good guy looks great. And if you have a really talented good guy, then the bad guy looks great. So winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> I like that. Um I know there's nothing that intimidates you, but is there anything that really freaks you out? Um, what do you mean, like danger-wise in the ring, or just like, am I afraid of spiders, or just anything? What do you mean? Anything in general. Uh, yeah, I can say, uh, and this is a bit tongue-in-cheek, and I, I'm, I'm usually not this um, elusive, but I think... People acting like shitheads in real life, as, as old as it gets, it always seems surprising to me. And I'm not Mother Teresa by any means, but I just think when I see people acting shady, being dirty, I just I just don't get it. I'm like, how do you? I just, it just I can never process that. And I know wrestling business is it's a wonderful business, but it's also full of a lot of dodgy characters, you know, backstage and so forth. And I just, I just never understood the diabolical side of this business. I just, I can't wrap my brain around it. Like I can, I can fathom it. I'm not stupid. I understand it. I just don't get why people would do it. If that makes any sense. Like I just don't know how you can sleep with yourself by being shitty to other people. Oh, I know it's not cool as well. Um, so how's your freak show wrestling going for you? Uh, I haven't done freak show in a little while. I've been focusing more on Lucha Libre Las Vegas. It just seems to be more of the demand from the casinos and everything here in Vegas. So as I put on shows, you know, I have to weigh out what's going to sell tickets or what does the casino want. You know, if a casino wants Lucha, I give them Lucha. If they want uh, a Halloween costume show, I'll give them a Halloween costume show. You know, if I do freak show, um, that is sort of more of a labor of love where, like, on a regular... Uh, like a sports entertainment style of show, for lack of a better term. You know, you book the wrestlers you want to put on the show, and they show up as is, and you say, okay, this good guy, uh, you're wrestling this bad guy, and so forth, so forth, and they're ready-made, and you know what you're getting, where a freak show is more people donning costumes and being put in silly situations. So I would, like, supply, like, uh, everything. And I would kind of have to walk through everybody in, like, makeup, wardrobe, and direct everybody, like, okay, tonight you're the monkey, you're the banana, I'm going to need the monkey to hump the ring post and fling poop. I'm going to need you to trip on the banana, you know, times 10 different matches. So it, it's quite, it's fun, but it's quite labor intensive. It's quite draining. And also, too, just the budget of, like, I'm saddling up all these guys and girls in costumes. Like, I don't expect everybody to go out and buy costumes because I've written some crazy show where I need you to be a vampire or an astronaut or a whatever. Uh, so I'll supply all that stuff. So it can get a little bit pricey sometimes for what the return is. So it's long and short, it's a labor of love. And uh, again, our sponsors are really more geared in, in uh, Lucha for the time being. So Lucha Libre Las Vegas is what has been, uh, in Vegas has been taking up more of my time. But I've really been traveling more than anything, um, just freelancing all over. That's, that's my first love is just traveling, being a performer, going to new cities, 
visiting new promotions, wrestling new wrestlers, entertaining new fans, and that's that's just my favorite all time thing. But in this last two weeks, I mean, I've been to uh, L.A., uh, England, uh, Mexico. Uh, next week, I'm in L.A. again, and then uh, then uh, Louisville, then Quebec. So just all over the dang place, and it's super fun. And I mean, how how can how can you complain with being in such a fun industry? Hey, oh, I know, right? Um, have you ever got a chance to tour over Japan yet? I have never been to Japan, and I would thoroughly love to. So if any wrestling promoters from Japan are listening, uh, bring me over. I would love to do it. Uh, when I was a little kid, um, like I, I loved wrestling since I was a, a itty-bitty little kid. But I always kind of just saw WWF Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings, and I just thought, man, you're going to have to be like seven feet tall just to be a referee because characters were so much larger than life but i grew up as like a martial arts brat like my dad was a, a black belt and a ranch fighter my mom owned a dojo so i, I kind of grew up in that and not in wrestling so the, the japanese influence of all the martial arts and stuff has just always had me enamored with japan and of course i love the japanese wrestling like great muda is one of my favorites of all time jushin thunder lager one of my favorites of all time you know so i i've actually been in the ring in la I rolled around and, and trained a little bit with Juice Thunderlager. I've seen him on some shows uh, here and there uh, ever since then. And I just, I would love to go to Japan. I love that style. I think I would definitely bring the Godzilla factor to Tokyo for sure. So I would love to do it if given the opportunity. Oh, the fans would go wild for you over in Japan because Japanese fans are a lot totally different than the fans over here in the States. And that's the thing is like, you know, I think, I think when you're, you know, I don't know how the right way to put this, but like when you're just in one city for your whole career and then you get acclimated to that one fan condition or you're wrestling in front of like your family and it's easy to get in front, get over in front of fans, uh, family and, and friends, but getting over in front of a new crowd in a new city and feeling out that crowd and listening to the crowd and working with the emotions that you feel that you need to, uh, uh, pull into your story that that is the lost art of working and that's my favorite thing about wrestling is, is telling stories and, and just making an audience like cheer and boo and be upset and angry and happy and concerned and relieved and just taking through this emotional roller coaster and, and just letting them expend their energies and just have a blast that is what i love about wrestling I totally agree too. I love the storylines as well. Um, that makes it a great show. Um, there's some, uh, there's a few independent shows out there that do that, which I like. And speaking over uh, the UK, over in England, what was your experience like over there? Uh, I I wrestled in England a lot in my early days of my career. Um, like in my first like couple of years, I spent like ah oh, Jesus. Probably in, a, in, a, in broken up in like you know month here, two or three months there, a month here, two or three months there. I probably spent about a year and a half over in England wrestling, and I haven't been back um, in I want to say almost fifteen years. So it was really fun to come back, and the fans were really cool, very energetic, uh, really friendly. Um, they told me they enjoyed the match, so I'm gonna have to trust them. And I got to wrestle. Uh, a big, scary giant, uh, Brody Steele, phenomenal wrestler. I've known him forever. Uh, I, one of the first tours I ever did was in the Maritimes, where he is from. And uh, we were with the buddies ever since. He's a big, scary guy, and he's one of those 
you know, man's man that doesn't, doesn't bullshit, doesn't, you know, doesn't politic. He'll let you know if he likes you and he'll let you know if he doesn't like you. And we got along great ever since. And I hadn't seen him. We, we've kept up off and on, but I hadn't seen him in almost 15 years. And I saw him last year for, for about a half an hour. It was like, we didn't miss a beat. It was like, I saw him like the week before, like it was like no time had gone by. And then we wrestled, uh, in England a couple of weeks ago and we ran at each other pretty good just because I think friends can kind of hit harder when they like each other. If you're in there with some stuffy prima donna, that's going to squat to the office. If you lay a finger on them, well, that's no fun. You know, like I, I play safe, but also too, like I'm a passionate guy and I, I want to, I want to give the fans a good match. So when you're in there with, with a buddy, man, you can really, you can really put out. And uh, that's what we did. And I think we gave the, the fans a really fun match. You can see it online. Go If you go to uh, the WAW uh, website, it, uh, they're on Facebook, they're on Twitter, they have a website. If you go there, you can watch the show. I want to stay on Pivot Share. And it was a tremendous show. I mean, awesome guys on there, like legends like McFoley, Billy Dunn, Bob Holly, uh, all the Knight family was on there. Those guys are awesome. I haven't seen them in such a long time, and I love them all. Uh, Ricky Knight, Roy Knight, uh, Soraya Knight. I mean, I remember when I was over there, like little little Zach and little Paige were running around the ring like little kids. And that's how long it was since I was over there last. So, you know, I've had a long time friendship with that family, and it was a lot of fun. And I was, uh, I took a lot of honor and privilege in going and working for that family again. And uh, I think I'll be back in November. So stay tuned for details on that, all the UK fans. Uh, but that, the WAW show was phenomenal, nightmare. It was tremendous. Uh, it, was, it was a record attendance thing for a uh, non-WWE uh, British wrestling event. It was pretty awesome. It was in this giant soccer arena. It was great. And I, I can't say enough good things about it. Hey, that's awesome. Um, I love your uh, highlights of weirdness videos. Those are a trip. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. How do you come up with some of these crazy, insane ideas? You must have a messed up head. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I think I got dropped in my head one too many times. So I think my, uh, my medulla oblongata is running in overdrive, I think. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I think the hamster in my spinny wheel is getting real dizzy, like it just never stops. <laughs> I bet. Um, tell me about uh, Creepy Karen. Uh, Creepy Karen is my wife. Um, she is my hero. She's my white knight. She is the chicken hawk to my foghorn leghorn. Um, you know, in the ring, I can be pretty mean. In life, I'd like to think I'm pretty passive, pretty easygoing, sometimes almost too passive, where I could be a bit of a pushover. And she is always defending me, standing up for me. You know, again, I'm pretty clever with my in-ring psychology and maybe a little bit naive at times in real life. And and she has no problems being the bad cop, kind of protecting me, making sure, you know, people don't take too much advantage of me and all that stuff. Because, you know, some promoters are like Ricky Knight and those like great promoters are out there. But there's also a lot of shady promoters. And, you know, there's a lot of great wrestlers and great brothers. And then there's a lot of shady guys. So she really, you know, does a great job of, of kind of being the voice of reason for me and kind of saying, you know, this guy's a great guy. You should really like, you know have a lot of fun with this person or this guy not so nice i would really watch yourself with this person so forth so she's very defensive of me and uh throughout my life you know i've got a lot of friends i'm lucky and blessed to have a lot of friends and but at the same time you know i think 
for me to have a good handful of, of friends that I truly know uh, have my back, I mean, those kind of friends, you could count on half a hand. And I'm lucky that to say, like, she is definitely, like, the biggest finger on that hand. Like, she cares about me and I think just selflessly cares about me. And it's definitely uh, a mutual. And I think to have that truly is to, like, win the lottery of love. You know, like, you do have people that say they love you, but they'll turn on you in a dime. You know, she's been with me at my best and my worst. And she puts up with me at my best and my worst. So uh, I'm definitely keeping her. Hey, you better, man, or she'll probably kick your ass. <laughs> That's right. I, I joke all the time. Like, I'm not Chuck Norris by any means, but I am afraid of no man and no beast. But Creepy Karen does scare the poop out of me. Shoot, I don't even know who uh, Creepy Karen is, and I've seen some stuff on her. I'm scared of her. <laughs> yeah. If you if you scroll down on my YouTube page, uh, Freak Show Wrestling, if you just type in Freak Show, Freak Show one word and then wrestling, uh, there's like a little icon of an eyeball. If you just scroll down, you'll see her singing a couple songs. Like she's a, a singer from San Francisco originally, and she's one of those like singers that just has that crazy range where she can she can belt out death metal in one breath and then sing like like a songbird in the next breath and back again. Mm-hmm. And she sings a couple of songs where we put like some of my like uh, footage to like highlight to, to her music, and she's. Yeah, Creepy Karen is a, is a scary lady when she wants to be, for sure. <laughs> um, also over at your uh, Freak Show Wrestling, you um, have some crazy carnival death matches. What's, uh, what's your most favorite carnival death match you ever did? Oh, boy. Uh, so Freak Show is, is a weird, eclectic buffet of funny, sexy, scary, uh, holy shit, you know, high-flying... Um, and then sideshow, magic, comedy. It's just a crazy buffet of insanity. And within that, the, the pinnacle thing, the scariest, most daunting thing is usually the carnival death match. And I would have to say, I mean, I've had some really fun ones with some really talented guys like Marcus Burke, uh, Funny Bone. But honestly, I think my favorite one was with uh, a wrestler named Titus out in the Maritimes. Uh, we just, we've never wrestled ever before, and we just had just the best timing with each other and that's and that's a hard pick but funny bone super talented marcus burke super talented i just think just this kind of stars aligned for the uh the titus match and i i'll have to go with that one but taking nothing away from the other two guys and then i've had you know carnival death matches with other guys along the way that were really fun and with a lot of tremendous guys but that's definitely my, my top three for sure. Yeah, um, I saw a video of you uh, putting a nail your nose and hitting it with a hammer. Did that hurt? <laughs> sure did. My brain's still itchy to this day. <laughs> I bet it is. I was looking at that and I was feeling the pain through my nose and I didn't have a nail. <laughs> yep. Um, you're also. Earlier, kind of precursor to freak show wrestling, uh-huh. and I would have done. It's weird. I would have done it more in freak show wrestling. Some of the weird sideshow stuff. Uh-huh. I always just had other performers saying, "Hey, can I get on? Hey, can I get on?" And I'm a good brother, and I can't turn away other good brothers. So I would just end up stacking these shows with a million dudes, which just kind of left less time for me to do some of that shenanigans. But if you go and look at like some old Dynamite Death Monkeys footage, you'll see me doing some pretty crazy stuff. Like I would have a seven foot guy. 
put a blind guy on his shoulders and drop a cinder block from 10, 15 feet in the air onto my stomach. Uh, or dropping a bowling ball onto my stomach, shattering a cinder block while I'm laying on a bed of nails. And just stuff like that, like crazy stuff. Like super duper gnarly sideshow stuff. And I mean, I do that stuff occasionally, but there's just there's not a lot of performers these days that have the, the experience to do some of that stuff. So it's few and far between for me to do that. But when, when the time is right and the stars align, I pull out some pretty gnarly things. So. Oh, I'm looking for... That's the encompassing of the Carnival Death Match. And I, I will say, out of those other performers, out of the three performers, I will say Funny Bone is probably the guy that let me do the craziest stuff to him. Usually I'm very, like, Mick Foley in my mindset. Like, if there's crazy stuff to be done, I'll take it. Like, Mick's not going to let Undertaker jump off the cage. Mick will jump off the cage. Or, you know, Mick will land in a bucket of thumbtacks and whatnot. You know, it's usually not the other guy. So I'm... I'm of that mindset, but I will say Funny Bone is just as crazy as I am, and he was only guilty of just being younger than me, so he, he kind of like learned a lot under under my silly learning tree, and he was ballsy enough to do a lot of that stuff for maybe other guys would be like, fuck, I'm not doing that, you know, like where I, you know, I've been pretty scary to some routes, we're like, holy crap, I'm not doing that, where like, I would obviously take good care of you and protect you, like safety is my number one concern, and entertaining the fans is... is is my priority, but also keeping my guy safe, of course, is paramount. But Funny Bone is definitely, I will say, the guy that has pushed the envelope alongside me. Like, I mean, we, we, we strapped him up to, a, to a, a, a knife board and we threw knives at him in one carnival death match. I mean, legit knives on a legit carnival board. Now, again, you know, we're experts at what we do, but that takes balls to stand in the way of something like that. I, I dare say there's many wrestlers on this planet that would say, yeah, no problem. I'll let you throw knives at me. You know, so uh, I, I give kudos to Funny Bone for, for having a big set of uh, a big set of knee pads. I bet. Um, have you ever invite have you ever tried inviting Chris Angel to become part of your show? Uh, Chris Angel has his own show and uh, we're actually in the same sort of like friend circles in Las Vegas. Las Vegas is a weirdly close knit um, family of performers, sideshow, magic, uh, Cirque, uh, wrestling, uh, just uh, mu- music. Like uh, we would go to some parties in Las Vegas. A lot of those parties used to happen a lot at Amazing Jonathan's house. He always had a big house and he was always the guy that kind of would facilitate a lot of the parties. So I would see Chris Angel at more than, more than one party. Uh, who is another awesome, like one of my favorite people is Amazing Jonathan, just on a side note. And I just saw all the fans out there. You know, he's had some pretty bad health issues, so I wish him good vibes and good health. Um, he's a good cat, but long, short story long, uh, I met Chris Angel a couple times at Jonathan's parties and this and that, and I think he's a great performer, but he has not uh, performed on Freak Show Wrestling. Jonathan has, and other crazy ma- magicians like Bizarro, who's one of the best magicians on the planet, um, Shocker, who's another really funny wrestling masked magician, um, you know, they have performed on Freak Show. Bizarro and Shocker are two of my Freak Show wrestling OGs. They've been there since day one. Uh, loyal buddies in arms. Uh, great, great performers. Um, there's, there's, there's been some pretty crazy performers that have definitely walked through the, the curtain of the Freak Show over, over the years, for sure. You also were in some films as well. Um, you did a film, uh, Ginger Dead Man versus Killer Bong. <laughs> yes, I, yes, I did. 
I have a big affinity for um, uh, the Full Moon movies. Uh, actually, the guy a couple years ago that designed my my pig's mask um, was one of the creators of like all like the Puppet Master movies and designed and built a lot of the puppets and a lot of the different monsters for various uh, Full Moon uh, movies and other horror movies and stuff. And uh, yeah, so uh, I definitely have an affinity for, for doing fun stuff like that. So did you get a chance to meet Charles Band as well? Yeah, I know Charlie very well. He's a great guy. Good friend of mine. Yeah, um, I, I I grew up watching his films as well. And I just uh, met him at uh, Texas Frightmare in Dallas. Uh, he was a treat. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a funny dude, a creative dude. And uh, yeah, I always had fun on set with Charlie. He is, and I've done many different, like I've worn many hats for Charlie. I have performed, I've done stunts, I've done artwork, I've done even just backstage stuff, like set deck for him. Like I'm an artsy party guy. I've, 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 designed and helped design and put up and tear down many a sets for Charlie. Um, done, you know, again, fight scenes and all sorts of crazy stuff. Uh, we actually did a really fun fight scene um, in the boiler room where they filmed the Freddy Krueger movies uh, for Charlie for uh, Killjoy Goes to Hell, I believe it was. That was a really fun, cool thing where I was dressed up like a devil and we were fighting with a bunch of like other devils and clowns and stuff. And on a, on a funny side note, um, when we were, me and my buddy, another fellow uh, freak show us an OG, uh, Scorch the Clown, we were driving home from L.A. to Vegas after filming that. And we just thought it'd just be quicker just to kind of get out of there and we'll just, we'll just you know, get cleaned up when we got to Vegas, got to our homes. So I'm literally in all this weird scorched paint. Like, I look kind of like a corpse with horns on my head. And Scorch was in full-blown John Wayne Gacy-esque clown paint and we're driving we're somewhere in between la and vegas and a, a police officer pulled us over and comes walking over and and i just remember laughing like scorch was like is there a problem officer like totally straight faced and the cop's kind of giggling and he's like well we got a few calls that there was some murderer driving along with a corpse in the front seat and like i was all charred like with all this like body makeup and all this stuff on and we all kind of start laughing. I'm like, and I'm checking my own pulse. I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure I'm alive. I think I'm here. And we're all kind of getting a laugh about it. He goes, what are you guys doing? And we explained we we're coming home from a film set, from a film shoot. And we all had a pretty good chuckle. And he was just like, all right, well, this will be one to tell the precinct. Uh, you guys get home safe. And we all had a chuckle and off we went. And that was that. Oh, that's pretty wild. I bet that cop was just probably laughing, didn't know what to think. And he probably didn't know what to think to write on his uh, report after his shift. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Another just as my again as the hamster in my wheel is spinning, and I'm just kind of making me think about memories. Uh, another fun, silly cop story was once upon a time, uh, I was in my hometown, and we were driving around. Me and my buddy Elvis, who is a, just a phenomenal wrestler, he's retired now. Yeah, he's one of those woulda, shoulda, coulda guys. Yep, he's so talented. He was, he was trained by Al Snow and D'Lo Brown back in the day. And he was about my year or two senior in the wrestling business. Uh, he was one of those unsung indie guys that just had talent for days. And I really learned a lot from him. And so uh, me and him, Elvis, Elvis Elliott is his working name. Me and Elvis and Edge were driving around in me and Edge's hometown. Me and Edge and Christian grew up together. So the three of us are driving around in Edge's Hummer that has big Edge logos like all over the tires and mm-hmm. in this giant Hummer. And for some reason, we think it's funny to go and off-road in our high school 
like back lot, which was like this giant sort of like tobogganing hill that would be covered in snow. And there was like a big track and field area. And for some reason, we thought it'd be a good idea to go off-roading in his Hummer across school property. Like we're adults, like this is Edge working Ferrari. Like he's, I want to say he's world champ at this time, at this stage of the game. And I want to say I was maybe, maybe just out of impact. Like we had just finished doing some of that new church stuff. So we were all pretty recognizable. Um, I think me and Elvis did one shot together on uh, impact as they had just come to, uh, they, they, they switched from, from Nashville to Orlando. So they were, they were on like spike and everything at that time. Mm -hmm. So we're all driving around and this cop pulls us over. Like we'd, we're whipping up and down these these hills in, in our in our you know our, our former high school from many years ago in our hometown and this cop comes walking over kind of shaking his head and we're all just trying not to giggle <laughs> and ah uh, oh crap what do we do like maybe, maybe this wasn't the best choice you know and and the cop comes walking over and he just looks and he just kind of looks into us and he looks at all three of us and Elvis he's like got this long like foot long goatee two big Road Warrior Hawk style mohawks. Edge looks like Edge. I look like me. We all look ridiculous. And the cop just goes, takes a big deep breath and sighs and goes, what would Vince think? And we all just erupted laughing. Like, none of us could hold it. We all, even the cop, we all just started laughing. And the cop kind of starts kind of giggling, going, man, we were all sitting there across the street at the hockey arena looking at you guys. And there was like a couple cop cars, all like two or three cop cars there. And we just didn't even notice them. And they all saw us before... And the, the, the guy said, he goes, we all practically drew straws to see which would be the unlucky one to have to come over and, and see what the hell you guys were up to. And we all just continued laughing. And we were like, hey, sorry, we were just goofing around. We didn't mean any harm, you know, whatever. And he's like, it's okay. Just uh, drive safe. Uh, get home safe. And he's like, you guys weren't drinking or nothing? And we said, of course not. We certainly weren't. We were just being idiot little kids. And he just laughed. He goes, just get home safe. Uh go ahead, get out of here. And we all just had a good laugh. And that was my, uh, that's my story. And speaking of Elvis Elliott, um, I know him pretty well and his wife, uh, uh, very nice people. And I also, you know, know his brothers, uh, you know, awesome Gary Dawson and Doug Shell. Yeah. yeah, Danny and Doug, yeah, I know them. Yeah, those are, great guys. yeah, those are great guys as well. Um, they're just fun to be around with, and um, they've told me stories about you as well, too. So, <laughs> uh oh, hey, no. did, Elvis, did Elvis tell you the yogurt story? Yes, he did. <laughs> All right, I will for for your um, for your listeners. I will I will extrapolate. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so there was a bunch of us coming in after a show, and we just we found some. I want to say some little diners, some little buffet or something. Mm -hmm. And we were—I remember exactly everybody who was with us. But I remember we were all kind of tired and we we're hungry. I got my food and I sat down at the table. And I know there was enough of us where we had like a couple tables. And so I'm sitting there talking to—I don't even remember who. I want to say maybe Jason Bates, who was the Belgian brawler, or the street fighter. Jason Bates, the Belgian brawler. Okay, the funny dude, really talented guy. I want to say I was probably talking to him and maybe maybe Ashley Six, and I'm sitting there and I had my arm draped over the the booth of the table, and Elvis got a big bowl of yogurt from the buffet stand and he thought it'd be a good idea to like I was totally not looking at him not paying attention to him I was talking to to Bates and Ash, and I, I had my hand draped over the back of the, the the booth, and he just held the 
the bowl of yogurt under my hand. So as I inadvertently moved my hand, I my finger scooped up a fistful of yogurt and it scared the crap out of me and I kind of knee jerked and I inadvertently flung a fistful of yogurt across the restaurant and I swear Elvis laughed. Like he was like, he would turn pink red from laughter. Like he looked like Santa Claus having a conniption fit or something. I think it was six hours or so before he stopped laughing. Like he just could not turn it off. Like he thought that was the funniest thing. And we all, we all chuckled, but it was like, I don't know if Elvis, Elvis's laugh button is busted. Like I swear we drove to wherever the heck we were going and he just couldn't stop laughing the whole time. And it was, it was pretty funny. It was silly. <laughs> I bet it was. I know. Um, he told me that story and I started laughing and, um, you know, I told him if I ever, you know, talk to you again, I was going to ask you about that story. <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, Elvis is a great guy, super talented guy. And uh, so, so the other two guys as well, like Ashley Six, super talented, uh, Jason Bates, super talented. Um, they're, they're all guys that, that just never caught the break that they should have caught. And there's so many guys like that. I've seen so many guys in my travels that are, you know, just as good as anybody that you see on WWE, Impact, ROH, New Japan, All Japan, CMLL, AAA. Uh, just so many what are shoulda guys that just kind of fell through the cracks for whatever reason. You know, maybe they got injured, maybe they got married and had kids, maybe they, you know, got somebody pregnant, maybe they got sick, maybe they, you know, or worse, maybe like they, you know, left the planet, you know, rest their souls. You know, so many great guys that just for whatever reason, you know, or maybe they just uh, some decision maker just didn't like them for whatever reason, but not for lack of their talent. Like I've just seen so many great guys, you know, that the fans will never get the privilege of watching perform just out of crappy ha- happenstance. And Elvis and Bates and Ash are three of those guys for sure. I bet they were as well. And uh, speaking of your pig mask, when you come out wearing that pig mask in your apron, uh, it reminds me of uh, Professor Pig from the Batman comics. Yeah, definitely. Professor Pig was an influence for sure. And I'll just I'll go off on that topic really, really quick because this is just something that's important to me. Um, so one of the guys that I, I gave a lot of tips to in his early days was Bray Wyatt. So I get a lot of like comparison to Bray Wyatt. Okay. And I, I think, um, like, I certainly don't have a copyright on pig's masks. I don't have a copyright on being a clown. I don't have a copyright on being a creepy circus performer and all that stuff. You know, a wrestler is a wrestler. But I think a lot of wrestlers are influenced by other wrestlers, and that's cool. Like, I, I just think they should state and kind of put over who has influenced them. Like, we've got old school guys kind of say stealing your parents' square. Like, I have no problem, and I'm flattered even, I enjoy that, you know, people would take reference from me or take advice from me or, or, or borrow creatively from me. I just think it would be cool for guys to kind of put it over. Like, for me, I have no no qualms on saying um, Jake the Snake, uh, Adrian Street, uh, Cowboy Bob Orton, Cheeto Santana, George Steele, Green Goblin, Dee Schneider, Professor Pig, like, you know, Music, comic books, wrestling, so many characters have influenced me where I've, I've certainly taken from them, but in the respectful amounts and tweak things to make my own. And Bray Wyatt and other performers, so many performers take from other performers. And that's fine and cool. I just think it would be really awesome for, especially when those performers are making millions of dollars off of borrowing from other guys. I think it would be great. I think it'd just be good karma and good business. It doesn't hurt them at all. 
You say, oh yeah, so and so influenced me, or you know, somebody influenced me, or or so and so influenced me, or whatever. You know, it would only help our indie booking rates. It would only help our credibility. It, it kind of validates us, and, and it is a feel good thing to know you're appreciated. You know, so I just think, and so many guys do that to so many other guys. It's just a it's a ongoing thing. It's always been there. It probably always will be there. But I just want to just kind of put a shout out to like, hey, if you're going to borrow something from somebody, just put over where you got it, you know, like just reference that person. You know, like I think like I, I'm proud that, you know, a few guys like one guy I'll definitely put over for being a man's man was Crazy Steve. I love him. Wonderful. I love him. He's a great guy, a talented guy. So he was trained by Eric Young, and I had a little bit of a hand in it as well. I actually gave him his name. I helped him with some of his original moveset that he still has to this day. And so when he got hired at Impact originally, he called me up and he said, Hey, Sinner, I just want to let you know, man to man, that I got hired at Impact, and they pretty much want me to be you. And so what I'm going to do is out of respect and out of tribute, but if you don't want me to do it, I will not. And I said, certainly I want you to do it. Go and be successful. Go follow your dreams. I'm not ever going to, you know, block anybody from, from following their dreams. Like, go ahead, dude. You have my absolute blessing. And he references me sometimes and, and, you know, he, you know, retweets my stuff and puts over what I'm doing and vice versa. You know, like he's just a proper dude. And I'm not saying that Bray Wyatt isn't. I'm just saying it would be nice for him to simply acknowledge that, you know, helped him out and that he, I was an influence. Like, uh, the biggest case in point, the most personal thing, like, I don't care per se about the top hat and long hair or long beard or a butcher's apron or pig's mask. It's all fine, you know. But the, the, the one part that gets me a little bit, like, personal is... He had asked me why I called my finishing maneuver Tulula Bell. And it wasn't like that he just saw me serendipitously, or he did something the same as me serendipitously, you know, from another part of the country or whatever. Like, we were in the rooms together. He asked me, like, we would, you know, he would ask me face to face, why do you do this? Or what about this? Or why this? As he was like a, a young green guy and I was already, you know, doing my thing. And he had asked me why I called my finishing move Tulula Bell. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not one to like hide knowledge. Like a lot of old school guys were very stingy with their knowledge. I was never like that. I don't, I believe in giving back to our industry. So I, I would always be an open book. And he asked me, why did I call my finishing move to Lulabell? And I said, well, my, my finishing move is like a double butterfly DDT. And so I wanted some sort of a variety of a DDT to uh, tribute my, one of my main trainers was Jake the Snake. So, but the, na the name to Lulabell was just like the DDT or like Goodnight Irene, I always wondered what that meant. Like I didn't care why a pile driver or a clothesline was called that because it was self-explanatory. But what does DDT mean or why Goodnight Irene or like what's the backstory? What's the mythos? I was so curious as a kid. And so I thought I was going to name my move after uh, my deceased sister. So between me and my little brother, my mom had miscarried uh, who would have been my little sister who would have been Sarah. So I did not want to call the move Goodnight Sweet Sarah because I just didn't want to upset my mom and anything like that. I would, you know, wanted to respect my mom and everything. So I fictionalized my dead sister's name into Tallulah Bell, which is actually Bruce Willis's kid's name. I just, the name amused me. So I went, I fictionalized Sarah into Tallulah Bell. So long story short, I told him I named 
move after my deceased sister, my miscarried sister. And he was like, well, that's pretty stiff. Why, why would you do that? And I said, because just like her and just like my opponent, once I hit him with this move, they're not getting up. And he was like, oh, that's so harsh. And yet so ominous storytelling. Like that was pretty, like he thought that was quite interesting. So when I got my release from WWE, uh, along came Abigail. And also speaking of Bray Wyatt, um, what's your thoughts about him wearing a mask now and doing his Firefly Funhouse? Well, like I said, I mean, I think he's he's definitely done a consistent job of, of borrowing from me over the years. So, again, I'm flattered for it. It would just be, to me, it would just be cool karma and cool business just to kind of put over where you were influenced by, you know? I totally agree. Um, you also, um, like, I said, like I said earlier, like I said earlier, I have no copyright on pigs masks, yeah. or masks, or you know, like I, I remember him tweeting, like, "Hey, I had a, a buddy of mine that does horror movie mm-hmm. uh, monster masks. Make me a custom monster mask. Monster mask. That's kind of what I did a long time ago, you know, or the butcher's apron, or the yeah. top hat, or you know, or the fedora, or uh, a whole bunch of stuff." But mostly, the only, the only thing that really kind of strikes me personal is the is Abigail and Tallulah Bell. Oh, I, that's the one thing that gets me bent because it's personal. Like that's like my his fictional sister is my legitimate sister, and that's exactly where he got it from. And I know it because from my mouth to his ears, oh. you know that's how the story the story was explained to him from my mouth to his ears. So oh. I don't necessarily care that he's got a, a mask that looks like mine or he's got a horror mask or he's got a butcher's apron or he's got a fedora or he's got a this or he's got a that no big deal like I said like like wrestling always reinvents the wheel and takes from other wrestlers and other things you know like whatever but it would just be cool just to kind of put over where you got it um, speaking also um, um, you grew up uh, being an artist and you loved comic books as well. What influenced you to become an artist? And when you were reading comics, what was your first comic book you picked up? Oh, man. Yeah, I was just I was just really shy, introverted, artsy little kid. And I lived sort of on the outskirts of town. So for me to go play with my friends after school was always kind of like it was like almost like a field trip. Like I'd have to get a note, take this bus, go here, do that. And then like living miles and miles out of town was you know, getting my mom who worked like night and day to, you know, get me home from, from our town or whatever was always a big deal. So hanging out with my friends was like, like if I, if I got to do that once a week, I'd be lucky as opposed to like every little kid that gets to go home and play with the neighbors, and the other kids after school every day. I didn't get that. Like I was, had so much solitude as a little kid. So my head was buried in comic books or in front of the TV watching wrestling. So my mind would just drift and I just, you know, comic books and wrestling was just kind of like one was sort of a real life extension of the other. And my sketch pad was just sort of a way for me to live both of those things vicariously, I guess, and just to kind of live and dream. And like, I've always been a dreamer and I've always followed my dreams and, you know, uh, sitting in a little ranch house far out of town as a little kid with a sketch pad, watching wrestling and reading comic books. I think, uh, you know, daydreaming about growing up to being a superhero or a wrestler was, you know, a weird uh, starting point just to force yourself to be creative. But I want to say, to answer your question about the comic books, I don't remember the exact one, but I want to say the first stuff I remember reading and tearing up and scribbling in as a little kid was some big uh, um, 
collection of like really old school, I want to say maybe Jack Kirby or something like X-Men stories, like the original ones. And it was like probably just some, uh, some reprint that I, I totally butchered with crayons and scissors and cut them out and made little toys out of some of the characters and stuff. But it would have been X-Men would have been the first thing I think I saw. And Spider-Man and Green Goblin, Batman and Joker, you know, the kind of classics. To this day, those are my favorites. Batman, Spider-Man, Green Goblin, Joker. That's Those are kind of my guys right there. Oh, that's pretty good as well. Um, since you were an artist as well, um, what got you into uh, um, doing uh, tattoos as well, becoming a, a tattoo artist? Uh, well, again, just artsy, just being an artsy, fartsy guy, and I always liked tattoos. And, um, and I figured, you know, I, w- I went to college two different times, hated it both times. I went for advertising and business, and I went for animation. I love animation, um, but just the actual, um, I don't know, uh, method of animating is quite monotonous, and it, it just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just thought, well, I, like my buddy Edge grew up, and he got a, a you know a degree in like broadcast, radio broadcast, and stuff as like some kind of fallback just in case. Yeah. So I didn't have any degree or whatever. So I figured, well, once I'm once I've run my course in being a, you know. Uh, a wrestler once my body is breaking down and like knock on wood like I feel great like I can wrestle every day I'm good but you know when the day comes that I can't I thought it would be good to have a a backup profession that I could stomach you know I think living the life that I've lived I've I've been very like like a polite anarchist I've kind of just done what I want just try not to hurt anybody in the process but I think power to all the people that can be in a factory or work at a restaurant or whatever like those are the real people that make the world go round and those are the real people that come pay their hard-earned money to watch wrestling shows but i think just being such a nomadic guy for so long i think i would go bonkers in a week if you stuck me in a retail job or a factory job or a you know a, a food services job or whatever nothing wrong with those jobs those are super respectful hard, like any honest labor is respectable labor to me but I think I would I would go bonkers. I'd be way too weak to do that. Like you could hit me with steel chairs all day long and pile drivers and clotheslines all day long. But yeah, if I had to ask people if they wanted fries with that for the rest of my life, I'd go I'd go bonkers in in, in a week. Oh, I bet you will. Um, like I said, speaking of you know ink as well, you know. Um, I've been ta- thinking about for some t- um, quite some time. I'm thinking about going to the Cauliflower um, Alley Club next year because I heard it's a great thing as well. And uh, awesome. yeah, and I, you know, I was thinking, I was like, if I'm going to do that, you know, something, I'm going to um, find Sin Boldy and uh, see if he'll uh, do me a tat. Yeah, bring it on, bring it on. I got a bucket of paint and a chainsaw back. I'll, I'll hook you up. Hey man, that's right. You can turn that chainsaw on too. <laughs> and, and if you don't like what I scribble on you, I'm pretty sure I got an electric sander around here somewhere. <laughs> awesome, but yeah, I'm serious. I would love to get some ink done by you. I think it'd be great. And when I when I do that, um, I'm gonna um, video it while I'm uh, talking to you while you're giving me a tat. <laughs> sure, no problem. Uh, so. Again, going back to the creepy Karen, she is my wife, uh-huh. and uh, but originally, but she is wife number dose. So way back in the day, when I was married to wife number one, uh-huh. uh, another another uh, character that you might know, Stacy the Cat Carter. So when that when that didn't pan out, 
um, I really thought I wanted to find something a little bit more, not responsible, but responsible for lack of a better term. Hence like the tattoos, like just a job that I could yeah. back on if, you know, if I got injured or, or if I just got too old or something. So, you know, we, when we separated, it was, it was pretty gnarly. And, and I just thought, I just didn't want to, I wanted to be more responsible for myself if nobody else. Yeah. Like if I was going to attempt at taking care of somebody else ever again, I figure I should probably figure out how to take care of myself first. Mm-hmm. So that's also one step in me just sort of being a little bit more of a responsible human, <laughs> just to have a fallback thing, just to have something else just in case. Mm-hmm. And then weirdly, ironically, after like I kind of done that for quite some time and everything, and then I kind of got back in the saddle and, and got back into the wrestling game after but like I, I didn't take too much time off of wrestling like I've I've consistently wrestled for going on 20 years but I, I, I took a couple months off just to sort of kind of lick my wounds and and just kind of regroup and 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 figure out like a safety net thing like the tattoo stuff and uh and just sort of get my life back on track from you know you know being divorced is probably something one of the most heaviest things you can kind of go through and survive, you know, but everything that happened, you know, made me wiser, stronger and more durable and more open-minded. Like I was not going to use that situation to make me bitter or, or close-minded or shut people out. Like, cause then I would think then, then that divorce would have won, you know? So I wanted to prevail out of my, my divorce. So I got the tattoo stuff as just, just another, facet just to make me that much better of a person so I could take care of myself and hence take care of whoever else was going to put their trust in me, you know, down the road. So now that I, I'm, you know, I have a, a, the proper love of my life now, like the first, the first marriage was the test run, you know, practice, you know, uh, dating, dating the people that I've dated, you know, just like everybody, like you, you, you I consider it all practiced with all the wrong ones. So when the right one comes along, you can get it right. And so now, uh, you know, I'm the happiest I've ever been. Uh, I'm with the person I should be with. And, you know, I can provide. And she does a great job in in providing and pulling her weight. I do a good job of providing and pulling my weight. And together, like, uh, we have, I have a stepdaughter, Karen's daughter, beautiful little 10-year-old girl, super talented. Her name is, is Pandora. We call her Pi. And she will be very adamant to tell you it is it is spelled like the circle, not like the dessert. <laughs> and uh, it is awesome acrobat trapeze artist. Like she's probably going to grow up to be like the real life Harley Quinn because she's growing up with like circus performers and wrestlers and fire breathers and midgets and clowns and it just all this crazy stuff. But it's totally normal for her. And she's so talented. Like she can juggle while skipping rope on a freaking ball like i think she's part c she has like seal dna or something like she's just this amazing little ninja ballerina thing i even like, i remember sending her a, a, a sending like ray mysterio a clip of her doing the 619 to me like doing a tilt roll head scissors and 619 me and he just wrote back giggling like man that's awesome like she could be my stunt double and all this stuff like you know so so pro- like providing and helping provide for a cool little kid like that and for a woman that you know, puts all of her faith and love in me is like, is my privilege and, you know, doing everything I can to, to support my family and follow my dreams at the same time. Like what a cool life. So I is, you know, on all the ups and downs, I can't complain because even with all the ups and downs, I'm still pretty damn lucky. 
Hey, that's pretty awesome. Um, another question I'm going to ask you as well, too. Um, another great, talented wrestler you worked with as well. What was it like working with Shannon Moore? I was I was actually really really flattered uh, after the fact working with Shannon Moore. I always liked Shannon Moore's work. I always thought he was a great athlete, um, especially his 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 latest version of himself. This sort of anarchistic, you know, tattooed lunatic. I think is a really fun character. And we wrestled. We had a three way match with another really talented. Uh, Florida local indie guy, uh, Chuckles the Clown, really talented guy. I want to say he was trained by the Dudleys, I think, and uh, super talented guy. And we had a three-way in Florida for Atomic Wrestling, um, which is another cool show uh, in the Orlando area. If anybody gets a chance to check it out, um, I'll be back there soon. Soon enough, I want to say uh, end of the summer. And um, so anyway, uh, going back to Shannon. Um, He's like, what do you want to do, man? And, uh, you know, he's my senior. He's wrestled for longer than I have. I want to say he's he's got to be pushing 25 years in, and I'm 20 years in. Um, almost 25 years. I think he's, he's over. He's he's been doing, he's doing it longer than me. Maybe not by a whole lot, but by a little bit. And, again, I always just, uh, you know, I never wrestled him. And he was like, what do you want to do? And we kind of talked about this and that and the other. And uh, he was just like, he was so open-minded you know, he was ready, willing, and able to step out of his comfort zone, and we had a blast. And not long after that, he had tweeted something to the effect of, like, man, Simbodi has is, is got to be my favorite character wrestler, and man, he just knows his stuff in and out, and he was just very flattering. And just to have such a high-caliber wrestler, you know, be so complimentary was just a really awesome. It made my day. Like, it just made me smile, you know. It was just like, no, nah, man, he didn't have to do that, and that was, that was real cool. It's pretty awesome. Uh, his uh, uh, lady, uh, Lindsay Snow, she's a badass, too. Yeah, she is. She attacked me, the damn little thing. She attacked me in that three-way, so I grabbed her and spun her up in the air, and, and uh, she still kind of escaped my clutches. But, uh, yeah, she was, she was a lot of fun to uh, mess around with, and, and uh, they all were. They were all her and Shannon and Chuckles. They, they made that night a lot of fun for me, and I think the fans could really uh, – see what we were doing and really enjoyed it and if you watch that match like you can have to hear the fans like laughing and hollering and booing and cheering and you know they were very interactive which is just like catnip to a wrestler <laughs> that's pretty awesome so where can um everybody follow you on social media uh, all my social media is the same uh, my facebook instagram twitter is all sin uh, my first and last name together as one big word is s-i-double-n B-O-D-H-I. Sin with two N's, Bodhi like the tree. S-I-N-N-B-O-D-H-I. All right. Um, thank you so much for, uh, you know, coming back on again out of your busy schedule. No problem, man. When uh, when this is up and posted, let me know, and I'm happy to share it on all my social media, and I hope the fans enjoy this interview, and uh, you're very nice to talk to, and thank you for having me on. Oh, definitely, and I will definitely see you in Vegas next year for that uh, ink. <laughs> oh, sweet. No problem. Yeah, as far as, as, far as uh, uh, my chainsaw, my bucket of panko, they're, uh, they're wet, ready, willing, and able, waiting for you, and... Uh, uh, again, thank you for the interview. Uh, and going back to Creepy Karen, she always calls me Ch Chatty Kathy. I just got home from uh, from teaching at the at my wrestling school here in Las Vegas, and uh, she'll call me at like eight or nine at night, just depending on what time I got to get out of 
other, and she's like, all right, stop talking, come home. You know, she knows, she knows I'm Chatty Cathy, and I can talk to wrestling students and show them stuff, like, all day and all night, because we kind of love this stuff. So, so you know, it's it's the funnest thing to, to do. And, and, again, I just can't stop talking. So she's usually, stop talking, get home. And my phone goes off, all the students giggle. She's like, all right, guys, it's time to go. You're, you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> Shoot, she'll probably come after me. She'll probably blame me. She's like, what? You talk yeah, about... Yeah, watch out. Yeah, watch out, man. Watch out. Yeah, I know, right? She, she is the foghorn leghorn to my, or to the chicken hawk to my foghorn leghorn. I, I swear, like she's definitely a funny, a funny. She, she itty bitty. She's only five feet tall, but she's like scarier than Kane. I bet. And like I said, thank you so much. No problem. My pleasure. Take care. All right. And everybody else, thank you for listening to Wrestle Podcast. You can follow my podcast at Hitting the Marks Podcast Network podcastcity.net at podcastcity.network um, you can also uh, listen to me on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts and follow me at Facebook at Russell Podcast and Twitter at WPopcastForum everybody have a great evening